When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. The St. John's Red Storm podcast is presented by Teachers Federal Credit Union, the official credit union of St. John's Athletics. Johnny's fans, the next half hour is yours. This is your one-stop shop for all things St. John's Athletics giving you a behind-the-scenes look at the moments that have shaped a century-long history. Now I have to turn to all the fans to get behind St. John's. Lou built a legendary program, legendary, and we will get back to those days by exemplifying everything that he taught. Top to Soriano! Exclamation point for the Johnnies! And that's going to do it. For the first time since 2012, St. John's has beaten UConn. Last time it was in stores, tonight it's in Hartford. Featuring exclusive interviews with your favorite players, coaches, and administrators. I still feel there's great things ahead for this team and this year, and, and I'm excited for another game. It was um, a little bit of a, a dream season for us in that really kind of put us on the national map a little bit more. We are New York's team. We are St. John's. Whitaker in the center. High fly ball and deep. Goodbye, St. John's. A game-time two-run homer. 2019 Big East Volleyball Champions. How sweet it is for JoJo 
and her Johnnies. Buckle in, Johnnies fans. The St. John's Red Storm podcast presented by Teachers Federal Credit Union starts now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the St. John's Red Storm podcast presented by Teachers Federal Credit Union. I'm your host and producer, Kenny Conrad, excited to welcome you to a real special episode of our show here as with the men's basketball program celebrating the 25th anniversary of the 1999 Elite Eight team this weekend. I'm looking forward to catching up with 1999 alum Bootsy Thornton. Bootsy was the leading scorer on that 99 team, averaging 14.9 points per game. It was a season that featured an incredible 40-point performance for him at MSG against Duke. It included seven three-pointers. So excited to chat with Bootsy about his memories from that performance and a really nice two-year run for St. John's basketball while he was here, including that Elite Eight. We'll have him on in just a bit, and you won't want to miss that. But since we released our last episode on Monday, which featured a great interview with Joel Soriano. If you have not had a chance to listen to that one, I think even with the Xavier game passing, some interesting stuff there. So feel free to go check that out. But since we released that episode, both the men's and women's teams have played one game against Xavier. They both came on Wednesday evening, and it was mixed results as the women's team prevailed 67-55 at Carneseca, while the men's team fell 88-77 on the road in Cincinnati. We'll start out with the women's team as they were able to take home the 12-point victory over the Musketeers, thanks in part to what were really strong second and fourth quarters, where they outscored the Musketeers by 10 points apiece. They held them to just 19 points combined over those 20 minutes of play. So really, you know, again, this team's calling card, good defense, timely hoops, I think, so far this season. Here are the coach's thoughts on the victory. Here's Coach Tartamella. Uh, yeah, I, I think certainly we didn't start the way we wanted to. Um, you know, gritty win for our, for our group, and uh, we knew that it wasn't going to be um, anything that was easy uh, in, in this league, as I've always told our, our players, no matter what the year is or who we're playing. But um you know, for us to be able to finish off this stretch in these 10 days and, and be able to be three and one, um, you know, with seven to go uh, left on our, on our schedule. But these were all, you know, massive ones that you've got to have, obviously, at home. But then also the um, short rest time prep, all those things that you've got to deal with um, that some of these guys are actually used to because of the way we used to play in the league with with really no days in between, uh, you know, Friday, Sunday. So <clears throat> so just pleased with how we played. I thought uh you know, obviously, Unique did a great job, Jillian, great job. And, and as I said to our team, <clears throat> you know, without Sky's contributions today, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if the game is in our favor. So she was terrific. And uh, at 31 minutes for her and controlled herself through the game and helped us with, you know, having eight assists, one turnover, nine points, big play at the end of the quarter. That's a momentum changer. So all those things that you need from your uh, point guard play. And, uh, you know, I thought our fourth quarter was – was what we needed it to be so proud proud of what we've done but now uh hopefully get a day here of rest and and be able to get ready for the what, what lies ahead obviously on sunday against uh, one of the best teams in the country unique drake is on fire right now for the johnnies i mean 26 points averaging 26 points over her last three games another great performance for her last night as she was honored with a big east honor roll selection this past week but she scored 24 last night or on wednesday night this is depending on when you're listening to it 
on 10 of 23 shooting in 37 minutes. I mean, really great basketball from Unique Drake. Just one turnover, um, high efficiency, just really creating a lot while she's on the floor. Jillian Archer scored 17 for the Johnnies, and Bernier Mayo put up 12 for the Red Storm, who moved to 14-9 and on the season. 8-3 and three in Big East play on the year. And again, you talk about those calling cards for this St. John's team. I think it's defense, the ability to win some close games down the stretch, timely buckets, um, and they're led by, like I said, Unique Drake, who is having an incredible season. 18.7 points per game, good enough for third in the conference behind UConn's Paige Beckers as well as Lucy Olsen. And you know, when you're following Big East women's basketball the last few years, if you're mentioned in the same sentence as Paige Beckers and Lucy Olson, you are doing something right. I mean, she is certainly in contention for any and all kinds of Big East regular season awards after winning the sixth woman of the year last year. The Johnnies sit third in the conference behind UConn and behind Creighton. So that's two programs in the top 25 and then your Johnnies. And I think if you haven't made it out to Karnaseka this year, to watch Unique and this team play. They're a lot of fun. I recommend putting that on your to-do list for the month of February. But before they're back home, Unique Drake and the Johnnies will travel up to stores this weekend to take on Beckers and the Yukon Huskies Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Coach Gino Gino Oriema's Huskies, I mean, the model of consistency, 18-4 overall, 10-0 in Big East play. They come off a 21-point victory over Marquette, and they have won every conference game by 15 or more points so far. This season, Johnny's have played them once. That was out at UBS Arena where they fell 92 to 49. But all I'll say is don't forget the Johnny's most recent upset over the Huskies came just around this time last year, um, a year ago up in Connecticut. So don't count them out, especially with the way they play on the defensive side of the ball. But after that matchup with UConn, St. John's will look towards a matchup out in Indy with Butler at Hinkle Fieldhouse on the road next Friday. Over on the men's side, Coach Patino's team comes off a tough 88-77 loss at the hands of Xavier on the road Wednesday night. The Johnnies fell behind early in this one, got off to a bit of a slow start, especially on the defensive end. And although they tied the game for moments late in the second half, even up to the point where it was three minutes remaining and it was 75-75, it just felt like they were never really able to get over the hump in this one. And I think ultimately it was because they couldn't muster up, I think, you know, consistent enough defensive stops on their end of the floor. 88 points for Xavier. Uh, That's the most the Red Storm have given up in a game this season. And that ties for the most they've given up in a game this season, dating back to the Dayton game. And that was before Thanksgiving and defense has been an identity for this team. You know, it was a rough start on the defensive end of the ball for coach Patino's team. He was pretty critical of the, of the group after giving up in the eighties to Boston college. And it seemed to slow down from there. And, you know, obviously you can't forget that the team's most recent big East win a week ago was against Villanova and they held him down to 50 points. So um, I think it was just kind of an off night for this team defensively. They hadn't played in a week, showed a little rust early and just never quite recovered. And when they did late in the game, it was kind of Quincy Oliveri, the great three-point shooter from Xavier, who put the game away for the Musketeers. Uh, and despite being down double digits, the Johnnies were able to get that game, like I said, tied with three minutes to go. But the Musketeers scored 13 of the game's final 15 points 
to come away with the victory. Wasn't all bad in this game for the Red Storm, that's for sure. It, it was a great offensive night for this team as Danis Jenkins and Joel Soriano were both really good and efficient for the Red Storm. Jenkins, a game-high 25 points on 11 of 17 shooting. That's the most for him so far in a Red Storm uniform. And at one point, he was 6 of 7 from the field. So no signs of, of rust from that week off for Jenkins. Joel Soriano, 21 and 15 on the boards. Another double-double um, and his second cons- consecutive strong game in a row the johnnies are now 13 and 8 overall five and five in big east play and they sit in a four-way tie for fifth place after the yukon huskies the number one yukon huskies beat providence wednesday night at gamble pavilion Speaking of those Huskies, Rick Pizzino's St. John's squad welcomes in the defending national champs of Madison Square Garden Saturday afternoon for a shot at the top dog right now in the NCAA. The Garden will be rocking, and UConn right now red hot. They're winners of nine in a row after losing the Big East opener. But the first time these two teams met up in stores where UConn has been much more dominant than on the road, the Johnnies fell 69-65, and I think there's no question that St. John's is better now a month removed from that game UConn is also better a month removed from that game you have two outstanding coaches in Dan Hurley and coach Patino and this game you know figures to be another close one and what's been just a ton of close games for St. John's and that's the way Big East basketball goes a four-point loss to UConn one point to Marquette one point to Creighton tied into the final minutes last night the margin is so slim right now in the Big East I mean the Johnnies are a couple bounces a couple shots away from you know this game being uh having some first place implications right you know heading into Saturday so nonetheless a really important test for the Red Storm and this one should come down to the wire on Saturday afternoon one interesting nugget I would say heading into this game Dan Hurley's squad 11 and 0 at home this season, just 3 and 2 on the road, so showing some cracks in their armor on the road so far this year, although a small sample size. Speaking of that Saturday afternoon game, some St. John's legends will be in the house as they honor the 25th anniversary of the 1999 St. John's Elite 8 team, one of the best in St. John's history going 28 and 9 overall, 14 and 4 in the Big East. They finished ranked 9th in the AP poll. And that was head coach Mike Jarvis, who led that team to the NCAA tournament. They rattled off three comfortable victories when they got there. They beat Samford, Indiana, and Maryland by margins of 14 or more. And then, unfortunately, they got all the way down to the Elite Eight, and they ran into a real tough Ohio State team with future NBA players. They had Michael Red and Ken Johnson. Uh, Michael Red had a long career, but they fell 77-74 in the Elite Eight. And we will have leading scorer Bootsy Thornton from that St. John's Elite Eight team right here on the show next. You won't want to go anywhere. You're listening to the St. John's Red Storm Podcast presented by Teachers Federal Credit Union. Let's face it, injuries happen. And when they do, you need the best help you can get to safely return to your daily activities. If you are in pain, schedule an appointment with Professional Physical Therapy, the PT provider of choice for the St. John's Red Storm. Now with over 190 locations and growing in the Northeast, Professional Physical Therapy makes feeling better even more convenient. So start your road to recovery and visit Professional ProfessionalPT.com to find an office near you. That's www.ProfessionalPT.com. As the official hospital and team doctors of St. John's Athletics, New York Presbyterian Queens wants to make sure all Johnnies stay healthy. 
Cold and flu season is upon us. Learn how to stay healthy from New York Presbyterian at healthmatters.nyp.org. Welcome back to the St. John's Red Storm podcast presented by Teachers Federal Credit Union. Kenny Conrad with the pleasure of being joined by a St. John's legend, 1999 Elite Eight team's leading scorer, Bootsy Thornton. Bootsy, thanks so much for joining me. I know there's a lot of fans out there who are probably thrilled to hear from you. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. After your time at St. John's, you know, I'm sure a lot of fans know that you went on to become a highly decorated EuroLeague basketball player. You won several Italian League championships, a Turkish League finals MVP. But maybe for, for those who haven't been keeping up with you post-retirement from those leagues, um, you know, just what are you up to now? Uh, right now, I'm living in Atlanta with my family. Um, I moved here from from Florida after um, after I retired, shortly after I retired. And um, yeah, just been raising my, <laughs> raising my kids, my daughter, my two daughters and my son. Awesome. That's great. So let's go back to 1997-98. You're playing at Tallahassee Community College. What made a kid from Baltimore choose to come to New York City and play basketball at St. John's? Coach Fran, actually, Coach Fran Fischilla, came down to Tallahassee Community College and um, recruited me. You know what I'm saying? And that was the closest school to home because I was in Florida. So that was the closest school to home that was recruiting me at that point in time. It was them, I think, Kansas and Cincinnati. So... And I knew St. John's was close to Baltimore. <laughs> New York was close to Baltimore, so I knew I could, drive, I could drive home. And that 97 team, they had just graduated like an all-time great in Felipe Lopez. They had another kid who was pretty good as a freshman that year, Ron Artest. Did you know anything about Ron? Um, and was he instrumental at all in helping you, you know, make your decision to go to St. John's? Yeah, I knew I knew, uh, I knew, knew Ron a little bit. At five, he was a five-star. Um, he was younger than me. So I, we was at five-star camp in in, in, in uh I think Portsmouth, Pennsylvania, and um, same time. But he, like I said, he was younger than I was. So, yeah, I knew of him. Uh, and Felipe still was there. Actually, when I went there, Felipe hadn't graduated yet. He still was there. So I sat out the second portion of his last year. So I got a chance to see Felipe. And um, yeah, when I got to St. John's, I you know me and Ron officially officially re- 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 met up again, and we were actually housemates. That was my roommate when I got there. Amazing. So, you know, that first year um, that you were, you know, on the team full time in that 98-99 season, you guys went on to the Elite Eight as a team. New coach and Mike Jarvis that year. Just when did you know that the team had a chance to be something special when you joined it? Uh, we had really good chemistry. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the guys had really good chemistry. And um, we really, you know, really like being around each other. And that's the that's the, the main thing you need was no agendas where people didn't like each other. So we started off, uh, you know, with, with, with Jarvis. He was a, he was way different from Coach Fran in terms of his approach and everything, and that kind of and that definitely resonated with us. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about you know maybe the best game of your college career: forty points against Duke at the Garden on January twenty fourth, which included seven three pointers, which. You know, with the way basketball is played today, we maybe don't think much of seven three pointers in a game, but like pretty <laughs> remarkable in the '90s for that. Just a great game. You know, what do you remember most about that day, and kind of how you were feeling? I know the team came up short with a loss in overtime, but just right. your performance that day. Can you speak a bit more about it? Well, what what I really honestly remember about that day was Tyrone Grant was my roommate the night before, and he woke up with a with a staph infection. And that he wasn't going to be able to play, so that was our our big man. So we knew it was going to be tough. But um, you know that day was just we just were playing, man. We just were trying to win. You know we knew everybody counted us out. Nobody really gave us a chance to really compete with those guys. So you know we had to come to play, and that's all it pretty much was. You know, like I said, I wish we would have won. 
<laughs> that game. I mean, it was my best scoring game, but yeah. like I said, I prefer the one. I prefer the one the following year when we actually beat them at Duke. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So that's the one. They the one. That's the ones I like. The one. The losses. I mean, great, but I would prefer the one. Won the game. And you guys, you had a couple of good battles with those Blue Devils teams, right? That game at the Garden that ended up going mm-hmm. overtime, and you mentioned, you know, that next season you were able to beat them. I wanted to ask you about that, but also just what was it like playing those teams? I mean, they were littered with NBA talent, right? And Elton Brand, Trajan Langdon, two guys who are um, actually GMs in the NBA today. They also had Shane mm-hmm. Battier, Corey Maggette, William Avery. Just what was it like playing those teams in that like mini rivalry you guys had created there? It was a battle. They had Chris Carwell too. It was a battle. Um, you know, I think we just, I think we just wanted to prove that we belonged. You know what I'm saying? Like, because like I said, nobody really gave us a chance. So we just wanted to show to everybody that we were just as good as those guys. You know what I'm saying? And that's all we and wanted to represent New York and, you know, show everybody that, 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 we, that we play basketball too. So that's all it pretty much was. I, I always had a chip on my shoulder coming from Baltimore anyway. Mm-hmm. And going to junior college, so we always had that, you know what I'm saying, that, that the little stigma like about junior college guys. So I always wanted to prove anyway myself that, you know what I'm saying, I can I can be up here playing with guys in the ACC and the Big East because the ACC was always, back then, was always heralded as the best conference. So we always wanted to, you know, every time we played the ACC team, we wanted to let them know that, you know what I'm saying, the Big East was the best conference. Absolutely. And we touched on it a bit, but the following season, you guys beat them in overtime at their place to snap what was a 64, a record 64 game winning streak at home against um, unranked opponents for them at the time. Was that game personal coming off the, the, the game the year before that came down to the wire? And what do you remember about your game winning shot in that game? Uh, uh, it wasn't it wasn't personal, but I think I think both teams knew that it was going to be it was going to be a tough game. It wasn't going to be a blowout. And we knew that for a fact. We was going in it, um, you know, to actually win. Like I said, we were and we were we were undersized team. We were small ball before small ball for two years. You know, Tyrone Grant was six seven, and and Anthony Glover was six five at L Center, and Donald Emanuel was maybe six 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 ten. So we wasn't really big, but um, you know, we just wanted to go in there and just because it, it was a lot of stuff going on that year with us in terms of NCAA and NCAA kept kept trying to bother with Eric. Eric Barkley, they kept trying to suspend him and everything. So that was a that was a, a crucial year for us. Um, and he was able to play that game. So we just wanted to show show everybody that we, that we can beat him. Yeah, and and Bootsy, after that win, after that loss for Duke, at least the they went on a streak where they won 150 straight non conference games at home. Um, and that ended in 2019 against Stephen F. Austin. Was that something that you were like following along with at all at the time? Were you aware of it? You know, I, yeah, I was kind of aware. The only time I would be aware of it is when they mentioned it. Yeah, the last time they lost was against uh, a non-conference schedule against St. John's in yeah. 2000, something like that. Like, oh, and they hadn't lost yet. But then now, you know what I'm saying? But now they somebody finally got them out of there. So, but it was good while it lasted, though. I, yeah, I, was, I, mean, happy to, hey, I was happy, I was happy to be a years. part of that record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was happy to be a part of that record. <laughs> It lasted 19 years, so it's a pretty right. good one. But to go back to that 1998-99 season, uh, you lost in the Big East title game to UConn that year, but you hit the yeah. ground running in the NCAA tournament. Um, your first, The first three games you played all the way through the Sweet 16, you guys by, won by 14 or more in each of them. What do you remember most about those NCAA tournament wins? Like I said, we, we were clicking at the right time because when we did lose that, um, that Big East championship game, Coach made us sit out there and watch him, I think. Made it sit up there and watch you celebrate and accept their award and everything. So we already had a little, you know, um, 
a bitter taste in our mouths. But we just, like I said, we were clicking at the right time, you know, and that's that's what it takes at, at, for the NCAA tournament for you to be successful. Be playing your best basketball at the right time of the year. And that's what we were doing. You know, we were just, we, we had good matchups that we felt like we can take advantage of. And then a lot of those guys hadn't seen us play. Those teams hadn't played like we played mm-hmm. outside of, um, obviously running into Ohio State because all other teams we had pretty easy, easy wins against. Yeah. And also about that, I'm sorry, not not to go back about that NCAA yeah. run. I definitely wanted to play against the University of Maryland, though, because they didn't recruit me. And we remember we do that game was personal for us because we do remember in the newspaper, I think one of their players, I can't remember if it was Steve Francis or one of them dudes, said St. John's is just a, they're just a bump in the road or something like that to us to get to where we want to go. So we took that as kind of like disrespect. And wow. me being from Baltimore, me being from Baltimore and then not being recruited by Maryland at all. Coming being like the um, number one junior college player in the country, we kind of took that person. So they kind of won that one for me. I know Eric played extremely well that game too. Yeah, I have the box score up now. He had twenty four. You had seventeen. Right, because we wanted to show we wanted to show the country that we were the best backcourt in the country for real. We weren't getting the type of love that everybody else was getting. So me and Eric, we kind of took that personal all year. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, interesting story and good good recall on Eric Barkley's game there. I just thought about yeah, I just, I just thought about that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I remember. Yeah, because they yeah they because we we they thought they pressed and all that so we was pressed we we was pressed them the whole game. Yeah. I do remember that one, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no worries at all. It's a really, really interesting story. The 1998-99 season overall, like, how do you want St. John's fans to remember that team, right? Like, what was your kind of calling card, or how do you look back on that season? It's, it's, it's different for me as the player. You know what I'm saying? I want them to celebrate yeah. and, be, and be happy, I guess, with the success that we had for the Elite Eight, but we always felt like we should have went further because that last game, we didn't we didn't play our best game to go to the Final Four, possibly, and then we just were in the moment. You know, so, I mean, it was a great, a great accomplishment. It was a great ride looking back on it now. Now you can kind of appreciate it and realize how hard that actually is to do. It's not easy to do, but um, like I said, we were actually in it. So I guess just, I mean, appreciate the, uh, enjoy, I guess, enjoy. And hopefully, hopefully we can get another one. Hopefully, hopefully the team you know, make make some type of run and, and, and do it again. Mm-hmm. And your senior season at St. John's, you led the team in scoring again, 15.3 points per game that year. Where does winning the Big East title that year at Madison Square Garden rank in your memories at St. John's? Oh, it's high. It's up there, especially since we had lost to them the previous year. Right. And, you know, we watched, like I said, coach made us watch them celebrate and then for us to cut the nets down. And I knew St. John's hadn't done it in a while. So, I mean, that, that's 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 one of my one of my top <laughs> one of my top moments for my career throughout, even professionally, you know, high school, all of that. Because I mean, winning and winning it in the garden too. And like and when the Big East had all the all the teams that were, you know, that were the the that the Big East at that time, it was it was it was very special. And you went on to have a long career in Europe, winning several titles, like I mentioned earlier, a finals MVP and more. Just how do you feel your time playing Big East basketball really prepared you for uh what was the next chapter of your career? Oh, it, it definitely, it definitely helps it, it, all the way through because the Big East was extremely physical, you know, back then. And that's how it, that's how it is in Europe, um, the, the style of play, depending on where you go. So in the, in the, in the countries I played in, that's how it was. You know, the style of play was physical, you know what I'm saying? And um, you had to be able to shoot and a lot of stuff. So it definitely prepared me for my, for my career um, going overseas. If I hadn't been in the Big East, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't know how it would have turned out. 
Great. And just a few more, uh, Bootsy, before I let you go, wanted to kind of pick your brain. I always think it's interesting to talk a bit to to guys who played the game on, you know, how the game is played today. What are your thoughts on the rise in three-point shooting in the game across all levels? And, you know, I think this is more an effort on the NBA's part, but to, to speed up the game, to, uh, shorter possessions and things like that. Just what are your thoughts on the way basketball has evolved kind of over the last, like, 20, 25 years? Uh, I mean, it's... It's okay. It's, I mean, for me, it, 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 I like it in, in the sense. I just wish they were allowed to play defense a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, um, or, or not allow. I wish they would play defense a little bit more because back when when we were playing, if you didn't play defense, you didn't get on the court. And we were told that on many. I was told that on many occasions by by my junior college coach, by Coach Jarvis, you know. So, um, like you said, me hitting seven threes. That's 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 par for the course now. That's easy. Right? Yeah. That's now. that's an average back, day back then. Three. Back then, I thought I was cooking. Back then, yeah. I thought I did something. But nowadays, uh, people like, man, they shoot ten and twelve threes per game, every game. You know right. what I'm saying? So, I mean, it looks. I mean, for the fans, I think it's it. It looks good. I guess it's easier. It's easy to do. Easier to do than somebody actually trying to get out there and dunk. So I guess that's why. That's why I think it kind of resonate with the fans because mm-hmm. anybody can go in a a gym and, and chuck up a three and possibly make it. But if you can't dunk, you can't dunk. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's where the, that's where basketball was back when you had to be super athletic and, you know what I'm saying, high flying above the rim. And some people still do that, but yeah. I think the three-point shot in, in, in the possession, that's kind of, you know what I'm saying, they, they kind of took away the, the two-point pull-up shot, two-point yeah. shots. You don't see that. You see a dunk or a three. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think they kind of did that. But, I mean, it's fun to watch. It's basketball, ultimately. You just got to adjust with it. Right. No, absolutely. And I think it was I heard Coach Thibodeau of the Knicks uh, a couple weeks ago actually talking about how he thinks like, you know, in the 90s, it was all about physicality. And then there was kind Mm -hmm. of the switch back over to the offensive side and all this stuff kind of balances out as the game goes through phases. So interesting to hear kind of if that, you know, is going to change and go back the other way at some point. Right. Right. They may have to. If if they're scoring 145 points a game, I mean. You don't want it to be like, 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 you know, I mean, like an all-star game, something like that, where people really not trying to at least make it tough on the guys. That's what allowed them to make it tough. But I watched, I mean, I watched St. John's play. They play defense. Oh, yeah. The college, the college, the college game is still, the college game is still kind of, you know what I'm saying, kind of revolved around defense. I mean, kids just take a lot of, like I said, like we said, a lot more threes. They take a lot more threes. Everything is predicated around the three-point line. But I mean, the college game still looks pretty good. Yeah, and you said you kind of led me to my next question because I was going to ask you how how much you watch of St. John's basketball and kind of your thoughts on uh, the hiring of Coach Patino and what you've seen out of him uh, as the head coach in his first year here with the Red Storm. I watch the guys as much as I can. I watched the, I watched the game last night, un- unfortunately, to Xavier. Um, I watched that one and I watched some, a lot of other ones. I think I seen a Seton Hall one as well. So I watch the guys play um, when I can. Um. Patino was Coach Patino, man. Everybody wanted to play for him back when I when I was coming out. You know, everybody wanted to play for Coach Patino. So, I th- I think watching the, the change of style from last year to this year, I think they 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 do a lot of pressing. They they're very very active. They're faster. They seem like to the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he has the I think he has the right nucleus of guys. They don't they don't a pretty good job. Like I said, they they let a couple slip away, but I like how they look. They look really good. And before we let you go, just wanted to ask you, have you been back to how often do you go back to the garden? Have you been back since your St. John's days? And what do you think will be going through your head? What memories will come back when you're honored at, at halftime on Saturday? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, I mean, the memory, the, the, the memory I think about a lot is winning the Big East tournament when we went, when we did win it. I think Foz, Foz, Foz being in the garden. I haven't been back in the garden since though. Wow. So, um, 
like I said, I've been th- I was threatening to go to a game, but the game I did go to at Duke, I went to that game, and then they played Florida State in Florida. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I haven't been back to the Garden, the Garden to go to a game because I know they were because since they redid Alumni Hall, a lot of some of the Garden games they didn't play. They didn't play down. Think I think they were playing a lot of games at Alumni Hall, but right. yeah, this will be my first time back at the Garden. Awesome. Well, that'll be a great time. Enjoy it. Great opponent on Saturday, too, and the number one UConn Huskies. Excited to, to see you and your teammates honored, Bootsy, and thanks so much for the time. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Appreciate it. You're listening to the St. John's Red Storm podcast, your one-stop shop for all things St. John's athletics. Over the left field wall, and St. John strikes first with a three-run shot from their catcher. Bringing you interviews and insights from your favorite Red Storm student-athletes, coaches, alumni, and administrators. Excited about our group that we have coming in, and we're looking forward to getting work this summer. This is the St. John's Red Storm podcast. Find new episodes every other week on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks again to Bootsy Thornton of the St. John's 1999 Elite Eight basketball team for joining me on this episode of the St. John's Red Storm podcast presented by Teachers Federal Credit Union. It was great catching up with Bootsy, reminiscing on that team, his days at St. John's, and also getting some interesting insight from a guy who played the game at some of the highest levels, you know, on where the game is at today, the state of kind of college basketball, NIL, and of course, uh, Coach Patino being with the Red Storm team. It'll be a great ceremony at halftime of that game on Saturday against the number one ranked UConn Huskies at MSG. Limited tickets remain available at redstormsports.com or by going to ticketmaster.com. And that'll do it for us on this episode of the St. John's Red Storm podcast presented by Teachers Federal Credit Union. Please do be sure to join us for some episodes next week and the following week. We have some great interviews coming up with lacrosse head coach Justin Turry as well as some St. John's women's basketball players. We'll hope to get Unique Drake in the mix next week. And we'll also have baseball coach Mike Hampton on to preview the upcoming season. Believe it or not, baseball is just around the corner in a couple weeks here. But for now, I'm Kenny Conrad signing off saying enjoy the Johnny's matchups with both UConn basketball squads this weekend. And let's go Red Storm. The St. John's Red Storm podcast is presented by Teachers Federal Credit Union the official credit union of St. John's Athletics. into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.